0: Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This highly practical podcast series explores HR and management hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Brought to you by Actors Software, our aim is to build a better workplace for people. The HR Uprising is about collaborating and supporting each other to build the confidence and skills to rise up to each challenge and deliver real, lasting business value. You can find out more at hruprising.com or join our LinkedIn community. Now, introducing your host, chartered psychologist, best selling author, entrepreneur, and speaker, Lucinda Carney.
1: And welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And this week I am really delighted to have a repeat guest. We were just chatting about it. it's a hundred episodes or so since you joined us before, Mervin. you have kind enough to come on when I was just starting out with this podcast. So it is, of course, Mervin Dinnan. I will just briefly introduce you of Two Heads Consulting. He's also the author of Exceptional Talent, a book which was published, I think, in 2018. Is that right? Thereabouts? It's
2: 17. 17.
1: So Close, and then also digital talent, which is coming out later this year. So thanks so much for coming on, Mervyn. Um, Obviously, what we're actually here to talk about is you've been kind enough to um, carry out some research for us, haven't you, in the area of um, talent within organizations at the moment, and of course, um, talent and employee engagement. So I'll hand over to you to say hello, and perhaps you might position what it was that um, we, we looked at in this report, what the purpose of the report was.
2: Thank you, Lucinda. Uh, hi, yes, I'm Mervin. Um, I'm also a, a general in, influencer, analyst, researcher around HR and talent trends, um, and as well as writing books, um, and doing podcasts like this one. Um, I collaborate with companies like Actus to research ongoing trends in the market, try and see what, what the issues are, and, and kind of to come up with some um, ideas to help organizations kind of address their issues. Um, the report that we did uh, was around internal mobility and how internal mobility links to employee engagement. Um, it was interesting because we we actually agreed to do this uh, the, the before COVID, and obviously after you know uh, the the pandemic began in uh, March last year, um, this became very very topical. Um, so it, it, it kind of, it had an impact and it was interesting that during the course of the research over last year, we did find that, um, some of the, some of the effects from COVID and the change in the way people were working did begin to impact on internal mobility itself, uh, in a positive way, I have to say.
1: Yes, I suppose people had to morph in terms of, um, yeah adapting to the new ways of working and perhaps using systems and technologies and and etc but i mean it's it was interesting also just on that point wasn't it that when we started out 12 12- 13 months ago, um, talent management, we were talking about internal mobility as a, as, a, as a real talent management strategy, weren't we, which is really, really important to um, many of the people we were talking to as a hot topic. And then, of course, with COVID, suddenly lots of people being out in the workplace, um, you know, it's different sectors have been affected. The, the sort of the talent retention piece almost went on the back burner I think for a bit because everyone was in survival mode weren't they Um, but then hence engagement has been very very relevant and also other findings that you've pulled through to do with learning and development have have, are are also extremely relevant so it shows how the themes almost ebb and flow in line with the pains HR leaders are faced with at the time.
2: Well, it, It could actually be said that when we started this internal mobility was very much a talent management issue um, and as we're speaking here today, internal mobility is pretty much a talent acquisition issue.
1: Yeah, yes, and and also potentially could be in future your re- retention piece, isn't it? Which I okay. guess is your talent management yeah. piece. Absolutely, yeah. So, so what, what do you want to give us? is a, a highlight. Um, obviously, if anyone wants to read the report, you can download it from the website. We'll put the link in the show link um, in in the show notes. But do you want to give us the, the highlights of what your research discovered.
2: I will do. I will do, Lucinda. Um, I think, I mean, just to set out at the beginning, one of the um, points that we made fairly early on was that uh, many years ago, um, internal mobility wasn't kind of a a unique thing HR does. It was the way most organisations grew. Um, the, the job for life era, if you like, people joined a company as a trainee and worked their way through the various ranks, different departments, different specialisms. And over the last 20 to 30 years, it's kind of changed and external hiring became um, the way that most organisations grew. Um, and we wanted to look at wh- what exactly were the, the barriers, I suppose, to internal mobility. What were the reasons why uh, internal mobility had seemed to take a back seat? Um I mean, there's quite a bit of research out there. There was a US uh, research done a couple of years ago that's uh, found two thirds of people said it's easier to find a new position in another company than it is to move to a new position in the one they're with. Um, So how have we got to things like that? And I think there were five key uh, findings. Uh, The first was that, that actually very few businesses look to fill new vacancies internally first something like 5% only, said the first thing we do when there's a new vacancy is we look to see who we've got. Now, that will vary. Um, Some businesses will do it more, some will do it less. But there are a number of reasons, cultural, technological, um, anecdotally, this has begun to change during COVID for reasons that, that I'll probably mention in a moment. Um, but in the main, it, it, the, the, the de facto way of filling a new vacancy is to kind of give it to talent acquisition, to go out there and find who's good.
1: So uh, it, we'll talk, I was going to say, it'd be interesting to drill into those. I know you said you're going to come into some of those points. And it, I was curious, actually, when you said that um, it never used, it, it wasn't always that way. Cause certainly, when I think back to my my role that's role in Siemens for example there is lots of people used to say you had to in order to get a pay rise of any mark you had to leave and come back there were quite a number of people who, who did that as almost a strategy to develop your career so it was done that's 20 odd years ago so there's quite it's definitely been around that kind of blindness to to skills in an organization
2: oh definitely definitely I think it's kind of from the early eighties really. So I said 30 years, I mean, it's actually 40 years. Um, but I think back to, okay, I, my first role was a, a trainee accountant, uh, but I joined a firm of accountants. And obviously in that kind of an environment, um, internal promotion was was the way they, they grew. You know, you trained, yeah. you became a senior, you became a supervisor, mm-hmm. a manager. When they needed a new senior manager or partner, it would be somebody internally who was promoted. Um, I often give the example of um the typing pool if you like, that, that a lot of people, i suppose particularly girls joined as filing clerks or admin people. the business then put them on courses like pitman's, they mm-hmm. became copy typists and then they would become pas to partner and things. so it, it it kind of used to be like that, but then it was while I was there it was beginning to change mm-hmm. more people. Were coming in from outside and so it is and and as you say it was the the way to get ahead was to leave make them realize what they're missing get some experience you couldn't get if you stayed and then come come back in
1: yeah it's, it's funny isn't it and on, on a higher salary that was the other thing so you'd be, you'd have a sort of fixed there's only a certain amount they'd pay you when they knew you um, as opposed to external hires that was a, an interesting angle so, yeah, so- well, in
2: the report i do quote research from peter capelli and matthew bidwell of wharton school of management Um, When their 2019 report said that external hires take on average three years to perform as well as an internal hire promoted to the same job, but identified that employees moving internally can find it can take up to seven years for them to earn as much as an external hire being paid to come in and do the same role.
1: It's funny isn't it so it's costing us money yeah. it's actually costing yeah. us so not only is it costing us money to recruit using the agencies and the recruitment and all that training up to do that mm-hmm. um you know it, it, it's it's quite um it, we're not we're not performing at that rate these people are not performing and you do have something like a third don't you of people who leave as well so you don't get it right yeah. every time either so you've got that whole pain of of losing these um this ex- this um, external talent so sorry, I oh, took just- you off on a detour. Then, so you were telling me the first that was, that was that was so the first point you came up with is less than five percent of vacancies come um, look less than five percent of businesses look to fill new vacancies internally first. And I suppose as a if you're listening to this and thinking, wow, maybe that's one thing as an HR person we could change is let's at least look internally first. Let's you know bear in mind these facts. Why don't we look internally first um, before automatically going externally?
2: Indeed, indeed. Well. We found that the, the, a number of the factors, uh, well, all the factors, pretty much split into two camps, cultural or technological. Right. So I so suppose looking at the cultural first, yeah, the next finding was, was we were trying to find out how important eternal mobility was to, to business leaders within organisations. And it was 21%. So only one in five felt that the leaders of their organisations thought internal mobility was important. And that was supported anecdotally through the interviews we did as well. Um, some business leaders feel that to keep moving ahead, they need to a broader mix of skills, perspectives. They need to bring in people from the outside who've worked in different environments and can bring something new. Um, so that, I mean, it, 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 initially you think, well, well, that is something that, that can be changed from within. And then you, you, you couple that with the um, 62% said that, uh, that employees leave to take on roles in other companies that could have been offered to them had they stayed.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, really, isn't it, when you look at it in hard figures like that? So, yes. they, So, I mean, there's something here, it sounds like, it's about um, leaders being prepared to develop people, almost looking yeah. looking at, I don't know, well, whether it's that they can't be bothered or they actually feel, you know, so there's also that bit about people feeling nervous they don't like to develop people um above them some I'm I'm, I'm generalizing some people sort of think like that um you know it's interesting isn't it in terms of 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 what it is that we could do to change this I suppose
2: yeah well I suppose if we go back a stage all the research I've been involved with and seen over the last few years uh says that the number one reason people join and the number one reason people will stay with an organization is if they have the chance to grow, develop, and learn new skills. And some research we did uh, two, three years ago amongst, we surveyed 14,000 job seekers. Um, And yeah, that was the number one thing they looked for in a new organization is the chance to grow and develop. Um, 91% said that when it comes to choosing one company over another, it will be the one where they feel they have the best opportunity to learn and grow um so i mean this is this is what people want when they join um and it, it it can't be part of employer branding i know i'm jumping to i think one of the conclusions at the, yeah. uh, the end of the report but quite often this is used as almost employer branding you know join us we can do this we can do yeah. that um and some parallel research we did about a year ago when we were looking into hiring managers uh, one of the questions we asked there was that who takes responsibility for having conversations during the hiring process about the future opportunities for growth and development? And what we found is that, that, that nobody in particular, there was no no one kind of person, department ranking took that responsibility. Um, some of the times it's the hiring manager, some of the times it's talent acquisition, some of the times it's HR or L as part of the interview process. Some of the times it might be a director if it's more senior, but but nobody takes responsibility for, for those conversations when somebody come, comes in.
1: So they don't realise, do they just not realise that that is the primary reason that such a strong driver for people?
2: Um, I'd like to think that they do get that, but, you know, as we said, I keep going back to that US stat, two thirds say it's easier to get a job elsewhere than it is to move within their own. I think that there is... Um, I suppose there's a couple of things there. I've already said about the only one in five leaders think is important. There is this thing as well, another one of our findings, about the, the, the short-term or siloed thinking, uh, more from managers. Mm. And this comes down to very much a cultural thing and, and something that uh, I've been talking about for a few years now. Is this, this I suppose this classification of managers being you know, talent producers and talent holders and one of the problems that we uncovered during this was was the, the the visibility of information so you know a lot of managers if they've got a role to fill or talent acquisition teams don't have visibility of you know the the skills the knowledge uh, that's in the business they don't have access to the you know performance data and and, and any of that either because it sits in silos or because managers don't don't actually record it they've got the yeah. technology but they don't want to record it because they don't want somebody else to take their people and that that, that comes down to I suppose the, the the cultural thing that most managers are rewarded for having high performing teams so want to keep the high performers mm. but high performers are probably the people who are going to be looking for a stretch yes somewhere else another role a challenge um and so you know the They will leave. They are in the 62% who leave to get a job that they could have had internally. Whereas if we find a way to reward and encourage managers to produce talent for the whole organisation, we won't have the silo thinking. There'll be much more availability of data and information around the business.
1: Yeah, it's it's got to be much more, um, it's a bit, whether we're talking about succession planning, it's it's interesting to think about how, whether you solve it at a managerial level, obviously it is an organisational development thing, isn't it, in many ways, so you've got to look at the the overall system um, to enable there to be journeys, and and that's where things like graduate programmes or other secondment type programmes you can manage within an organisation that can facilitate people to, to learn and grow, but I just wonder if some of it is down to the basic skill set of line managers to be able to coach, to almost, I mean, one of the things I I think everybody without exception, has learned a huge amount over the last 12 months, whether the things yeah. they might not realize that they have. It may not be the things that they wanted to learn, in fairness, but most of us have learned how to, you know, operate digitally, how to manage time remotely, how to, um, if you're a manager, manage people effectively remotely. We've all had to develop new skills um, in response to the situation. Um, but I don't know whether, if we stood back, people realize that they've learned stuff. And sometimes I think that's where a line manager doesn't have the I don't know, the coaching skills almost to, to sit around and say, okay, so what have you learned? A lot of the learning now is on the job learning, just because you've not been on yeah. a formal training course. What is it that you've learned? Or, or, you know, how have you developed? Or how can you develop yourself? Um, and I just wonder if some of that, if, if managers just had a greater awareness about um, coaching type skills, that, that, that whether that would help a little bit?
2: I'm sure it would. Uh, I'm sure it would. I think that um, but again, it's cultural. I suppose you need to look at the leadership. What, yeah. what, what, what is the culture? How are people rewarded? What constitutes success? Uh, as I said, Is it having high-performing people or, or creating high-performing people? Um, and also, one of the things we picked up was that there's a slight difference in approach between um, filling a, a vacancy that's arisen because someone's left and filling a vacancy that's newly created, so it is, it's brand new. You've added a new role in. Or, 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 and, and there is a difference. Mm.
1: What would they do? As in they would think about well, it differently? Or?
2: They do, but it, it, it's slightly more. I mean, it's thin margins, but, but slightly more businesses in our survey and anecdotally through the interview said that they would look to fill it internally if it was a brand new position. Um, But uh, that was counterbalanced by also a slight increase in the people that, that would go external. Um, and because they, they saw that as a, 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 a point to bring in you know, fresh perspectives, new experiences, yeah. this kind of thing that, that I think we've heard senior managers and leaders talk about in the past. We need to get people in from the outside who have you know, different you know, worldly experience, who've experienced different things and, and have got a much broader perspective. Um, whereas, you know, if, if you're developing your people right, you're giving them access to all the learning tools they need to upskill themselves, then you shouldn't need to bring this in.
1: No, and I, I was wondering, it's also, if, if we're just not very good at understanding the skills, when they say that all of those, those are typical terms, aren't they? Oh, we need greater experience, you know, um, broader, experience. that's quite waffly generic, just saying we want some, we think we want yeah. something different. Someone's just going to come in and fix all our problems and, uh, you yeah, know, because they've worked in another big company, they're going to be good at it. Or let's say, well, you know, a similar business or something, or a competitor, but actually, you um, not necessarily being very good at thinking in terms of skills and behaviours and and, and organisations aren't necessarily great. So if we think about talent management or if I think about, let's say, a talent profile, we might think about what are the skills um, and the behaviours that make someone really successful in that role. And and again, as organisations, quite often, we're not great at defining those. Um, and we don't often, you know, system, there aren't always the systems in place to do it, but it's defining them and having that visibility, but also um, managers being able to, see that um, very specifically. I'm thinking we've been working with people in terms of remote appraisals and stuff like that, because obviously imagine it's a strange year to do an appraisal when people have been um, working differently. And I just find that actually I, so many line managers that really, really struggle to be specific about behaviours. They might, they might know what a competency framework is. They can tell you what the labels of them are, but actually giving very specific granular examples of that, which that would also mean that therefore if you're trying to define what the competencies or skills are for a specific role, they might be quite poor at recognising them or coaching yeah. people to develop them. Um, And I I just wonder, it's on those things. Maybe we, again, internally in in an organisation, if you're in an OD role or a learning and development role, helping people to just be more precise about behaviours and skills so you can recognise them that are transferable for somebody, for example.
2: Yes, definitely. I mean, there was, um, uh, you know, in the anecdotal part, there was something about managers want people who can hit the ground running. Um, They they don't want to bring in somebody new and have to devote a lot of time to, like, cross training, to upskilling uh, this belief that somebody who's done the same job for somebody else will be able to come in and immediately kind of change things and 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 you know, run a ac- run along at 100 miles an hour without any input.
1: Um, yes. I- I know, no one really wants to train anyone up, do they? But if you think about it, it's completely no, no. it's completely illogical if you think about it. So bring someone out in, uh, in from a different company just because they were good at that job, but they've got all of the. The, particularly in a remote environment all of the stuff about that new organization new culture new ways of working whereas actually an internal person may actually yeah. be much quicker they've got less to adjust to in terms of they've just got to look at the new job not the whole new company
2: but, That's right. hey. now interestingly there were two findings so we're talking about managers here and we're talking about leaders so I suppose two findings we found particularly from the anecdotal uh, evidence and the interviews on the employee side um, one was it only happens when it's employee led. So, yeah, if know, if, yeah, employees can kind of put themselves forward for things. Um, but also there was an interesting one that a few said to us that, that employees don't always see internal moves as an opportunity to progress. Okay. So this, this 30 to 40 years of external hiring has, I suppose, also created amongst the people who work for us thinking that, that as, as you said before, they can only get ahead.
1: By leaving yeah so okay so i can actually think thinking about it. you can see that so it's almost they feel that they've got to make a step change That so it yes, doesn't necessarily yes. feel like a promotion necessarily if they if they take on another role internally but that's interesting isn't it because they would be learning and growing so people say that they want to learn and grow but um that's that's almost seems slightly contradictory because a new role you are going to learn and grow
2: Yes, and these are obviously people who were talking to us very specifically about their businesses. But I think that the, I suppose, learning and growing and progression are there. And it might well be that it's kind of, they they seem to be aware of people they know who seem to be developing faster elsewhere or, you know, that old kind of... uh, Getting together. I mean, at the moment, it's obviously Zoom chats with people you used to go to school with, people you used to work with. All these, all these catch ups we're now used to. it's yeah. um, Like, you know, that kind of. Oh my God, you know, here am I doing the same old job for the same guys. I love the business, but but these people are really kicking on. Um, and it's that kind of thing as well. I think which which you can't if if you give people the opportunity to do that, almost self direct their own development then you won't get it as much as if it seems a very structured organization. And the the thing about it only happening when it's employee-led was interesting because this this kind of ties it back into being a talent acquisition problem in that um, quite a few said that employees don't actually know what vacancies there are. So a a manager, a senior manager, a leader might might brief a vacancy to the TA team, but other people in the business don't know about that vacancy. So it's kind of only if they see it advertised, probably. Yeah. So it's, it's having the vacancies open, which is the the other side of kind of where's the visibility of skills across the business. But where's the visibility of vacancies across the business? Um, I,
1: yeah, I can see it. Because also I, I think back again to internal and, and job boards were very externally facing. You'd almost have to actively yeah. go and look on, on it as opposed to it being as part of the automatic process we will be circulating this role. Not least because actually you could get referrals, employee referrals, even if you are hiring externally, which is less expensive than um, you know, going through an uh, you know going through an agency or something. Um, yes, yes. so I mean that, that is again quite a kind of seems obvious, but it is really quite common, isn't it? So oh, it is <laughs> So, what what recommendations have we got then? If we wanted to do this better, things it doesn't it it does seem quite illogical that we've got to this stage of 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 being like this. What what can what can we recommend to do differently?
2: I think there's 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 four things that the the we felt you know uh, from from all the research we did, the interviews and stuff. Um, I'm I I will say what they are. I won't go into great in depth because I want people to download this and read it. Absolutely. Uh, The first thing uh, was prioritizing talent management. And it's that thing, you know, people join organizations and stay if they see they'll have the opportunity to grow, develop and learn new skills. Um, As I said earlier, these aren't just some employer branding thing. You know, we'll we'll reel you in by saying you can develop here. Um, It needs to be hardwired into the fabric of the whole organisation. Um, it needs to be a learning organization yeah. where everybody is learning. It's kind of it. It it it, it doesn't have to be said that, that everybody there wants to learn, develop, learn new things, challenge themselves, you know, uh, take on you know broader remits, learn new skills, um, and that kind of challenge. I believe is firmly under the remit of HR and the business leadership to fix culturally, you know, to make it a learning organization and make it a place. Where people feel that they can progress, and and, you know, it's kind of less than one in twenty businesses initially look internally first, and that's got to change as well.
1: Yeah, Yeah, so there's loads of things you've covered there. And so, so are we looking internally first? Are we giving managers the right skills to coach people to develop them? Are we advertising? Are we making job opportunities visible, um, are, are we making it a safe place for people to make mistakes, as opposed to, you know, a, a blame culture yes. type thing. It's all, all these sort of things. So it's all about, actually, this is about us going, are we giving people access to learning opportunities, whether they are formal training or informal, but helping people realise that they're learning and developing, giving people yes. new challenges? Okay. Yeah. Definitely.
2: definitely. The, the second one was about the increased transparency of skills, people, performance. I mean, the, the number of people who said we just don't have access to that information, we don't have the data, or, you know, the, 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 that team keeps that data themselves, we can't really access it. Uh, talent acquisition doesn't have access to it because managers you know, which i'll come to as another point in a minute but yeah the, the managers senior managers don't want the ta team kind of you know they're tapping up one of their people and say listen i can see from the system that you've actually got all the skills we need uh for this other role um so it, it's that kind of the, uh, the the transparency around the business as well which again all of this Leads into, you know, it's cultural, it's technological, but yeah, talent management has to be there. It has to be a learning, developing organization, and uh, skills, people, everything has to be transparent. You can't kind of hide people and say, "Well, we don't want anybody to know who's in our team because we want to keep them together." And it's,
1: and that's an interesting one because actually, it is quite. Um, blinkered to think to keep things there but it's also um, one of the things in within our system actually we've got a talent profile and you can define which elements go into it but one of the areas that's been really quite popular is being able to do an internal search for cross project teams so it doesn't mean you're going to lose people necessarily but actually there's more and more um, cross working on things also they've talked about things like let's say you let's say you had an emergency and you want to be able to identify somebody with a specific skill You know, let's say a a bomb squad or something. You know, someone who's who's got a specific language skill or a technical skill that you need to find in a hurry. If you've got all of that data um, visible to you, it's not you're not necessarily going to lose your people. It's really just about. playing to people's strengths and being able to access and see those strengths for me that's that's the that would be a a new world of um of looking at talent that way and 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 then people be more driven i think too because you'd feel you're adding more value you're getting exposed to things without necessarily losing them from that role you're actually being able to contribute more widely to your organization
2: oh without doubt
1: but again it is about it does come down i know your next one actually is about technology so actually that it that's one of the gaps isn't it
2: Yes, it is, and it's you know, I mean, uh, for the last probably three, four, five years, all we've really been talking about in HR is data analytics. Um, yeah, you know, it's a specialist area that we've been investing in, and here we are interviewing a load of people for research. It says we just can't get the, the data we need. We don't know who's in the business. We don't know what skills they've got. Uh, we don't know how they're performing. Uh, performance. Conversations are kind of, you know, kept by managers, scribbled down. They're not put on a system anywhere. We don't know who's ready to take a step up. Um, and that thing about, you know, two two thirds of employees, I, I keep referring to it. Say it's easier to find a new role else elsewhere. Yeah, that shouldn't happen. You know, if okay. the technology, you know, supports employees, records performance conversations, makes the data analytics available to managers, leaders, and the talent acquisition team. Then internal transfers be, become easier. If it's a very open, culturally, which is, is flagging up the next one, mm. but it, it's a very open organization like that, that then it, it's kind of all these things flow seem, seamlessly.
1: And actually, the point of that with your cultural element is, is that. I don't, there is something about enabling HR to get back up and be strategic. So that's one of the things I wonder, it's almost as a reflection as to where we are right now. You know, a year ago, many people we would talk to, they they would they say if they're bringing our system in, they want to bring it in for talent management, but that's their aspiration in the future. They've got to start with getting the basics in place, the performance management, et cetera. And then somewhere along the line, things like pandemics appear and everybody has to go into reactivity. And um, a lot of the strategic longer term value add pieces get put by the wayside so maybe i'm hoping that you know as things start to improve we can pick these things up again strategically um, and look at them from um it it is much more of a longer burn isn't it you've got to think of it much more holistically in terms of the culture of the organization yes the technology the skills and and link it all together to help people to to be able to do this
2: i think so and i think one of the things from the last year or so uh covid has been and, and, and the kind of thing in history we've seen that that, that during times of crisis, there's this uh, huge investment in technological advancement and development to help solve things. Um, and that ultimately moves a lot of things forward much quicker than they would have done otherwise. Um, and I think this is one of those things that, that you know, the, 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 one of the things I haven't really covered in this is the fact that external hiring, you know, is virtual. You know, we've seen lots of research that shows that that people are very comfortable um taking new roles with organizations they've not met you know to work with people they've not met to work well ultimately in offices they've not visited um where if there is a hybrid return uh to working in offices as well as as um flexible um so people are comfortable with that and and it's kind of i suppose accelerating that that that, that the the i suppose goes on to my my fourth point about corporate culture needs to change mm. um it used to be internal mobility was was traditionally hardwired into culture. You know, you got on. That was the way you got on. And then we've been through this 30, 40 years where the only way to get on is to move. Um And, you know, HR's focus is increasingly on engagement and retention. We hear about it all the time. There's lots of conferences, lots of research around engagement, intention, recognition. Um, And this is the way to engage, retain, and recognize people is to give them the opportunity or to support them in their growth, their development, uh, which you ultimately retain their skills, capabilities, and knowledge and their energy and their drive and their enthusiasm. And, You know, one of the ones I I mentioned earlier was about managers wanting to hold on to best performers. Um, And that's, I suppose, that's an example of kind of siloed thinking of of, of kind of, you know, wanting to protect what you have. But, you know, in an organization where, as, as I said, you know, if you find a way to reward managers for producing talent, it benefits everybody, including those managers. Who will then benefit from the fact that it's very open and you know, people people might move into there. Exactly. Teams, yeah,
1: it? absolutely. They'll get some great people from somewhere else in the organization. It's a nice a synergy. It's not just it shouldn't just be one way. Hmm. Just and I suppose in conclusion, um, given that we probably well, the likelihood it seems is we're gonna have much more of a hybrid um workplace. It's not quite the same workplace as it was when we were when you did this research for us um no. certainly not initially do you see anything being different as a result of as being in if we continue in this hybrid fashion
2: um i think that it we there will be um i mean i don't yet know you know and there's been a lot of stuff I don't want to date this chat because uh, people listening to it in the in the future might say, oh, my God, were they talking then? But there's obviously been a lot of stuff in the last two, three weeks about you know, return to the office, don't return to the office, no jab, no job and all that kind of stuff. Um, And I think that that, that we will ultimately um, find a balance which suits everybody because we're going to need to. Mm. Because, you know, part of engagement and retention will be enabling people to work uh, how and when they want to. And, you know, going back to research that I did two, three years ago with all those job seekers, it was quite, you know, before the pandemic, it was quite quite a complex picture some people like to balance home and work life other people wanted to keep them separate Mm. people wanted some form of office working because of the social connection they they the interaction with people some felt that if they they had to be in an office to be visible to managers and leaders otherwise you know if you work remotely you're not scene and so all of this will balance. There'll be people who want to work, I suppose, remotely most of the time. Some who want the balance. Some who actually, you know, want to return to the office. You know, I mean, because they they're kind of, you know, I don't know, I, I, they they've been at home, locked down. Uh, they're single. They they're missing yeah. the interaction with people. It's kind of there's going to be quite a lot. Um, I think, before it settles down to, we can say this is the new way of working. Um, But it's kind of the opportunity for people, you know, it's a great opportunity to hardwire this kind of, you know, learning, development, supporting and enabling people to do their best and achieve their best. It's a great chance to hardwire that into whatever the future working landscape is.
1: It is. And, And whatever happens, talent's not going to get any more visible is it? Because people are going to be, I was thinking there's people that are going to come into organizations brand new and they, you know, there's lots of people who've been, people have been working to, with others that they, they've never met, which is, you wouldn't have thought possible previously. So finding a way to facilitate development and visibility of internal talent, yes. long, it, that's got to be something that's quite a higher priority if you're going to carry on working remotely, I would think, for for, for businesses. certainly to solve. Is
2: and, and you you've, you've also going to have an uptake in in people joining organizations who who you know live a long way away i mean yeah. i go back i can go back 8 9 years and i worked for an organization where i actually lived like 100 miles away from their main office But, yeah, I went down once a week and and the rest of the time I worked remotely or from another base. I mean, it it does work and it can work.
1: Yeah. And actually, that's a really good point. So all of a sudden where you might have ruled people out because you wanted them to be in the office three days a week or actually actually having someone who is quite a distance away, it's doable now. It's proven you can perform. Yeah, it's nice to meet people now and then, but it's not essential. So that potentially opens up more talent. Although, of course, that's external talent, isn't it? Um, Potentially, if you're recruiting there, it doesn't matter so much.
2: Um, Well, yes, but also internally, if somebody wants to move, I mean, we are more to general economic factors now. But, okay, I'm sitting in London here. So it's kind of there is a lot being written about people moving away. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they don't need to kind of live uh, kind of to to get into town, you know, into the centre of London. I'm sure the same goes. Uh, for other major cities as well in the uk you know you don't have to live so you're like a half an hour commute into town you can live outside and just come in once or twice a week Yeah. You know, whereas before you would think well you know we'd love to move we'd love to move away from london but from i Africa can't because
1: yeah no. in
2: the country but we can't because of work we yeah. we can now
1: who knows maybe it solves the, solve the north south divide you never know yeah you yeah. <laughs> know right brilliant okay well Mervin, thank you so much you've been re- very really generous with your time today thank you and thanks again for the internal mobility report which we will put the links so you can download if you go to hruprising.com um, we'll put all of the links to where you can actually download the report and read it in detail for yourselves i'll put your contact details i don't know if Mervin, if you want to share any if people want to connect with you directly share how they can get in touch with you i know you're quite easy to find out there on social media
2: um okay you can find me on LinkedIn it's Mervin Dinnan M-E-R-V-Y-N-D-I-N-N-E-N on Twitter funny enough I've got my name because nobody else was called Mervin <laughs> Dinnan uh, At Mervin Dinnan M-E-R-V-Y-N-D-I-N-N-E-N um you can find me on 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 Facebook on on Instagram or uh, I, I don't I don't know if you'd want to because I don't say that much on those
0: <laughs> um
2: but uh, email me at Mervyn Dinnan at oh, sorry at Mervin at twoheads.io um and uh thank you for inviting me on lucinda i've really enjoyed the conversation
1: me too Mervin. it's always a pleasure to chat with you thanks so much for your time
2: you're welcome thank
1: you thank you
0: thank you for listening to the hr uprising proudly brought to you by actor software the joined up performance and talent management solution You can access links to any of the information or resources mentioned in the show via the podcast page at www.hruprising.com. If you like what we do, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and leave a review. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising.